grieving. Some families will be lost to one another forever. To those of you who face the difficulties of reconnecting with family and establishing ongoing relationships, we say sorry. We offer this apology in the hope that it will assist your healing and in order to shine a light on a dark period of our nation's history. To those who have fought for the truth to be heard, we hear you now. You're listening to Adopt Perspective, a podcast for anyone affected by adoption. I'm one of your hosts, Jo Sparrow. This podcast is a production of Jigsaw Queensland Post-Adoption Support Service. However, the views expressed are those of the people participating, not necessarily Jigsaw Queensland. The podcast discusses adult themes and listener discretion is advised. Hi, it's Joe here, and today I'm joined by Jigsaw Queensland's Forced Adoption Support Service CEO and Jigsaw's former president, Dr. Trevor Jordan, to discuss a topic that you've likely heard a bit about in recent months, redress. Welcome back to Adopt Perspective, Trevor. It's great to have you join us again. It's great to be here. Trevor, it's been 10 years since the release of the Senate report on the Commonwealth contribution to former forced adoption policies and practices. That report recommended that the Commonwealth should lead discussions with states and territories to consider the issues surrounding the establishment and funding of financial reparation schemes. That same year, the Queensland government made their apology in Parliament, and the next year, and next year marks the 10th anniversary of former Prime Minister Julia Gillard's federal apology. So it's 10 years on, and there has been little discernible movement nationwide on the subject of redress until the Victorian government committed $4 million in March to the, the creation of a redress scheme. I can't get all my words out today of a redress scheme that's only for mothers um, with $500,000 of that going towards a discretionary payment for mothers with exceptional circumstances, such as those that are terminally ill. So here in Queensland, the call for submissions for amendments to the Adoption Act are now overdue. And I know you and several other stakeholders recently met with the Honourable Leanne Linard, who is the Minister for Children and Youth Justice and Minister for Multicultural Affairs, and her Director General to discuss the delay and possible reparation. So as the year draws to a close, I thought it was a really good time for us to talk about the things that people affected by forced adoption need to think about as pressure mounts for redress in all states and territories across Australia. And with an ageing cohort, the clock is really ticking on this issue. So what was your message to the Minister about redress and when we were only weeks away from the 10th anniversary of the state apology anniversary? Oh, well, Joe, we were, we were very supportive of what the government's done in terms of services in Queensland and uh, also, of course, the federal government through forced adoption support services and Queensland government through post-adoption support Queensland. But and also in supporting the uh, annual anniversary events for the apology, but we did point out that while people are coming to those apologies, new people are coming each year and they serve a purpose. Uh, some people aren't coming anymore because there isn't change and it's beginning to sound a bit hollow without addressing some of the issues of, of redress and that 10 years is a good time to make some significant announcements um, beyond incremental changes I think and that was the message that this is 10 years it's a time to at least if, if, if you can't announce something substantive within that time frame 
to announce a process to begin to address this question with some seriousness here in Queensland. Yeah, good message. Um, the federal and Queensland governments have the benefit of reading the room, so to speak, from the Victorian government's announcement as they consider their next moves. And I have to say that that room would be registering a little hot with adopted people who were left out of the redress announcement. And considering the size of Victoria, so little funding being allocated towards reparation. Can you talk us through their announcement and some of the issues that stand out in it? Well, yeah, I mean, um, our message to, to the Queensland, uh, to the minister here and the DG is don't do it like Victoria did uh, <laughs> yeah. and not consider. It was very triggering for adopted people and, um, yeah. you know, um, the Victorian government, and partly it was, uh, so the, the Victorian government announced that it would be redressed for mothers and a beginning of discussions with adopted people about um about future re redress uh, in future, as well as you know general announcements about what they're all, what they already provide services in terms of support for people affected by adoption. But the publicity was poorly handled, uh, even to the extent that the announcement that there would be discussions about redress for adoptees never appeared, didn't seem to appear in the official media releases, and certainly wasn't picked up by the media. So that that was very triggering for adopted people, uh, mm. you know, uh, um, and not the least because you know adoption is a relationship. Uh, you know, government tends to treat people as individual in terms of um, dealing with their harms and, and 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 services to them, but you know uh, we're talking about relationships here. So if some if the mother has had a forced adoption, then the adopted person is a product of a forced adoption, and and to not see that. They deserve equal consideration from a from a what might be an illegal act in the past, and its outcomes just seem somewhat strange. And I, I think maybe one of the things that we might might discuss in a minute is that, that sometimes government put this in a too hard basket because there are different needs uh, and different perspectives, and the community sees certainly the general community sees the impact of the legal act on mothers and forced adoption at the time as different, maybe. Than the lifelong impact for, for adopted people. But it was very, very uh, triggering. And I don't think it'd be good not to repeat that uh, yeah. in the Queensland situation. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's been a lot of media coverage recently in Queensland about forced adoption and the issue of redress and, of course, the recent meetings. So let's talk about the complexities surrounding this issue. Since the federal apology, funding was made available for support services to be established nationwide. And in Queensland, Jigsaw is funded to provide our support adoption, a forced adoption support service. Could this funding be considered by governments to be a form of redress? And if so, where does this leave individuals as far as making decisions about if and how they want to access support? Yeah, well, I think that's that's an attitude generally of, of the governments that uh, in terms of a past harm done, that they see it as providing services or, uh, to treat or to ameliorate those harms. And so, uh, and to a certain extent, that, that, that's true and that's valid that, you know, that uh, and they would say that provision of post-adoption support here in Queensland, uh, which has been separate from the post-adoption apology, it came into being before that, but certainly takes up some of the burden of the Queensland apology and the, the, the forced adoption support service funded by the federal government are, are part of that. But not everybody 
has those those issues, um, and so uh, that's one issue. But also there are justice issues here as well as issues of of, of harms. So if a wrong has been done, uh, if, if people were uh, forced to give up a child illegally, uh, then it's not simply enough to say, oh, we're we're going to um, provide access to services. There's there's been a wrong done, and there should be some reparation or redress for that for that wrong. There should be mm -hmm. shared responsibility on the part of the community for the past wrongs that were done. So yeah, the, the issue of redress moves beyond services uh, to the issue of of justice and reparations. But it also the, the issue is that is that if we decide for people what services would be good for their healing and, 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 and that, that's very paternalistic. And sometimes redress allows people to make their own choices about what would benefit them in terms of uh, their well-being. So, so there's an argument there that even, even within that service component, that redress is, is an important, that people have control over them deciding what, what they need. But certainly, we we know here at Jigsaw, we encounter a lot of people who don't want to access, access services. They don't want to be pathologized, but a wrong has been done to them. And they feel that something ought to be, uh, that some reparation should be made, particularly if they were treat, treated, treated harshly and illegally at the time. So, um, you know, it's a slightly different issue, uh, redress, um, than, than just providing services. On the other hand, the government can point out, particularly in Australia, where we have access to, to basically free medical and hospital services, that the community at large has a share, has already accepted a shared responsibility for the treatment of trauma, whether it's from adoption or other, other, other uh, causes. And so in the mind of government, they're already providing access to services through the health insurance scheme and Medicare, et cetera, uh, whatever we we may experience with that, everyone's in the same boat. So on top of that, people are saying, well, what are the adoption-specific information and services that are available as well as those things? And I suppose those are the services funded. But I, I do believe that justice-making and reparation is part of the moral repair that goes with making an apology. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when we spoke about this previously, you said that this process cannot be a one-size-fits-all approach and that all voices not, must be heard, not just the loudest. This isn't your first radio, Trevor. Um, what would you like to see as the next steps taken by the government to ensure this happens? Well, yeah, I, I think I look at the Victorian situation and I think there's $4 million. Uh, now, I'm someone who, I guess, is not scared of big numbers. And to be honest, $4 million in, in terms of government service is not a big number. No. And I look at, for example, uh, the quantum of $10,000 for the emergency, uh, 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 the 500000 of emergency funding available to people right now, and think, well, 10000 to $4 million is 400 people affected by task force adoption, I'm thinking, well, that's not a big number, surely, in a state like Victoria. Mm. So maybe they got in mind a smaller set of people who are very vocal, and they've done a kind of a calculation that it's only going to affect that many people. So I, I don't think that's a good, good way of doing it. And I think that could be maybe the downside of the loudest voices being heard and not as many voices heard about the diverse needs out, out there. 
and and in in this area one you know our experience at jigsaw is the impacts of adoption are many and varied and we don't put a template on people's experience and 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 certainly we can't but people have experienced trauma in different ways some people don't experience trauma they they you know they're like that people who overcome the trauma, but they have other impacts in their life caused by adoption. Or they might experience a trauma later in life through the process of, of reunion and discovery, et cetera. Uh, even the process of, re of getting redress can, can be, can be trauma-inducing as well. Mm -hmm. So one size doesn't fit all. So I'd like to see some of the next steps of the government to engage in a community development type process where there's some people who are trusted by stakeholders, both collective stakeholders and groups, peer support groups and individuals who are not uh, representing the government. They can stand between the stakeholders and the government and they can help the stakeholders, both collective and individual, describe the diversity of experience and needs that is out there in terms of the impacts of task force adoption and make sure that a range of uh, forms of service and redress are available to people and that it meets their diverse needs because justice requires us to treat equals equally but justice also requires us not to treat unequal circumstances equally um, and so it's, there has to be a way of sorting through some of some of this and, and to make sure that it, it that that that, uh, that that redress is responsive to 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 people's diverse needs yeah yeah, definitely. Um, so let's then explore a best case scenario where redress is offered to parents who lost children to forced adoption and adoptive people. There is a lot to be considered in the type of process that decides who is eligible for funding and how that pot is divided up. So what are some of the options that might be explored? Well, that's 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 an interesting question because, as I say said previously, we governments tended to, to to do this in terms of seeing the individual needs. So, um, but if, if if there's a mother or father who's a parent who is forced to give up a child, they 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 require response, but also the impact has been on the child as well, depending and particularly depending on their various fate within the family that they went to. The other, the other issue, of course, is that some people are uh, adopted, adopted persons, for example, who were the products of a forced adoption, uh, experienced, uh, you know, uh, various times of neglect or maybe abuse within the families that they were sent to, and so there's a sense of shared responsibility as a community we have to to help help address that. Um, but people have different experiences of. of after adoption in, in the families that they, they, they went to. So you know, it's a way of sensitive, sensitively exploring the, the differences in that and maybe that uh, responding at different levels. So the experience of re, uh, frameworks for redress elsewhere, we've had the, we've had the experience within the, uh, the National Inquiry into sexual abuse in our, in our institutions. Um, and the frameworks that some of the state and federal government have looked at there uh, has, has been in terms of how you address the different levels of need and the different levels of harm that might have flowed from the forced adoption experience. So, um, so the, there's a sense in which you might, uh, and also how you address the fact 
that the re that the process of getting redressed can be re-triggering and traumatizing as well. So what for to, to a certain degree, you have to provide support and help to people in order to 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 get the redress they're entitled to. And without that support, it can be a very traumatic, re-triggering re and traumatic experience. So I I think, and when it comes down to it, someone has to make tough decisions that uh about how much redress is available to people uh, according to their circumstances of that occurred and 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 what followed from it but this has been done in the in these sort of redress frameworks are done in in this other area of of sexual abuse and in institutions and some of that would might be applicable to what we do um or want want to see happen so for example you might have a redress that's set at different tiers of redress so that people get redressed fairly quickly at a certain amount, whereas, whereas other people who, with more complex issues are entitled, I think, to, more, to, 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 a, to a great amount of a greater amount of redress. There has to be a way of, of assessing and comparing that and with support getting that information out. So such a redress screen would address issues of the the severity uh, of the forced adoption, whether illegalities were involved, whether threats and intimidation were involved, whether people were humiliated and degraded or restrained, um, whether there was physical abuse uh, occurring at the time. Uh, we all know this from the various, um, our experience at Jigsaw, hearing the stories of, of, of mothers. Uh, and also then the people have diverse impacts. So some have, 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 have lifelong physical impacts from what occurred at the time. Others have psychological and psych psychiatric impacts. Um, and then there's other elements too that might come into, I mentioned before, neglect. Uh, so some adoptees may have experienced neglect in the families they went to and emotional or physical. Uh, they might have been experienced isolation. Uh, they may have experienced racial uh, abuse and oppression if it was involved uh, adoption across racial, uh, racial and ethnic lines. So these things, you know, ultimately sometimes someone has to sit down with the people impacted and somehow compare their situation to someone else's and in, in, in a sense then have uh, redress organised. But ultimately, one of the problems we have to face when we ask for redress is how long is the piece of string going to be? And that and what exactly the redress is for? That's why I like to think of redress as the justice element, because if we keep seeing redress as access to services, et cetera, they're already, you know, the government, various governments say they're already being provided in a general sense um maybe they need to be improved with the advice of people affected but we need to handle this extra component of, of, of redress uh, i think the justice component separately and keep that perhaps a little bit bit separately and, and work out what would be uh, a, a reasonable form of redress uh, that would then back up the apology and make it real for people yeah absolutely it's a bit hollow without it isn't it Trevor, thank you so much for helping us think some of these issues through. Um, I would like to see the federal and Queensland governments get cracking on this issue to ease suffering and bring reparation to those affected before it's too late and um, make any reparation more than just a token amount. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, I think, uh, I think at Jigsaw, 
our motive, our method here is always to be to hear as many voices as possible here, and we don't want to be the one voice for everybody because we know that there's many many experiences and impacts, and and we'd like to hear from people what they 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 would like, uh, and you know, their views on 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 these things, and also to help them put them put them to government in whatever way possible. But we certainly support the idea, as I said, of an independent person between the various stakeholders and government to help hear these voices. Yeah, definitely. Well, and thank you to our listeners for joining us. I'll pop up some relevant links on the podcast notes page. And meanwhile, do you have a story that you'd like to share with us? If you do, uh, and you'd like to be interviewed for the podcast, jump onto the main podcast page of the Jigsaw Queensland website and complete the prospective guest form that you'll find there. And note that Adopt Perspective can be listened to by people all over the world. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Adopt Perspective podcast. If you'd like to find out more, go to the podcast page on www.jigsawqueensland.com and you'll find a wealth of information and resources on the website. If you reside in Queensland, you can reach Jigsaw Queensland's Forced Adoption Support Service on toll-free 1800 210313 or you can call Jigsaw on 07 If you live in another state of Australia, you can still call the Forced Adoption Support Service number and your call will be answered by the Forced Adoption Support Service in the state that you're calling from. In every other state, Relationships Australia operates this service. A big thank you to Matt Sparrow for composing and recording our original theme music. Until next time, I'm Jo Sparrow saying farewell from Adopt Perspective, a podcast for anyone affected by adoption. Thank you.